Welcome to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Our mission is to bring healing, transformation, and meaning to the lives of people in different societies with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you allow yourself to grow in a relationship with Him, you start getting filled up. When you are full of the Spirit, eh, you will be restrained and constrained from doing some things that are not of honest report. God's servant delivers the word of truth with clarity, simplicity, and dexterity. Here is Pastor Francis Aubin proclaiming God's mind to you today. Let us have a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful unto you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the grace available for us to hear your word today. Pray that your word that's always blessing us will bless us today too. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We're looking at Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Bible said, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. 22, 23. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Praise the Lord. It's very powerful. I want you to jump to verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. <laughs> and he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult. And uh, them that wept and wailed greatly. It looks like Ghana is not the only place where we have professional wailers and uh, weepers, professional mourners who mourn at funerals. And when he was coming, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado? That's why make you this commotion and weep. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talita kumi, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise, praise the Lord. And straight away the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And look at what Jesus said. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Praise the Lord. We want to consider activation of faith for miracles. First of all, the Bible makes us understand that here on earth, as a believer, the most important element a believer or a child of God needs is the element of faith. And we will get there from the scripture we have just read. So the background of this scripture is that Jesus healed this man who was living in the graveyard in the gathering full of demons and crossed over to another side. And when he got there, Jairus, who was a ruler in the synagogue, met him. And when he met him, in verse 21, 22, and 23, he went with a petition. And he said that, my daughter is at the point of death. So at that point in time, he besought Jesus greatly, and Jesus decided to go. But the man came. He came with his own healing. He came with his own faith. If you look at verse number 23, 
when he was beseeching Jesus, the Bible said, he said, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. So the question is, when do we receive healing? What is the actual time we receive healing or what is the actual time we receive miracles? This man was saying, come lay your hands on the child and the child will be healed and she shall live. So before Jesus got to the house, this man had already programmed into the atmosphere healing. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Please watch the scripture carefully. You lay your hands on her, she may be healed and she shall live. So before the man came to church, he carried his own miracle to church that, look, I'm coming here and the reason why I'm coming here is that I already see the healing and I already see my child alive. When you are approaching God, the approach of faith approaches the presence of God, the person of God, the power of God with the result in view, with the end product already in the spiritual hand. Let me say it again. The approach of faith is an approach that already sees the results before the process begins. He went to Jesus, made a request, and told Jesus what the end product will be. <laughs> you come, you lay your hands, the child will be healed, and the child shall live. Many a times, we come to God and we say, we want to go and see what God will do for us. <laughs> That's an old-time theology. Where you go to God and say, I want to go and see what the Lord will do for me. God wants you. Bible says that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And when we are coming to him, he wants us to come boldly unto And watch this. Can you give me that scripture? Come boldly unto me. Okay? Come boldly unto the presence of the throne of grace that you will obtain mercy and find help in times of need. So, Coming to the presence of God, first of all, we are asked to come boldly. Secondly, we are asked to come with the mindset to obtain. That's Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain. We are coming, we should come boldly, not timidly, not with terrible fear. But we should come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain. See, so the presence of God is a place to obtain things. Coming to God, you must have an obtainer's mind, an obtainer's perspective, an obtainer's mentality. One of the things God doesn't like it's for you to come to his presence and not having any vision to receive anything. Because God is big enough to give you more than enough. And so coming to him without an enough expectation to obtain mercy and find help for your need is it, it, it's, it's not profitable. So come with an obtainer's mentality and come with the mentality to seek and to find help. Oh, I'm loving it already. That serving God is obtaining help in times of need, in times of trouble, in times of when you need promotion, in times when you have expectation, come boldly, Come with an obtainer's mind 
come knowing that there is help for you in God, in the presence of God. Isn't it beautiful that we have been, Scripture is teaching us the purity of God's word against what old teachings that were clouded in darkness had taught us that you don't make a demand in, on God, just wait and see what the Lord himself will do. But God himself is speaking and he's saying, come boldly, come with an obtainer's mind, come with an expectation to receive help in time of need. That's powerful. It's against what we have been taught when we were rising up from Sunday school, against what we have been taught, not knowing our left from our right, going to God and leaving things to chance. But God is saying that when you mature and you want to walk with God, don't come into his presence empty-handed, empty-minded, empty-hearted. I love it. <laughs> empty-minded, empty-hearted, empty-handed. Come with something that you want to receive and you will obtain help in times of... So this man went to Jesus and said, I believe you come and pray for him. My child is going to live and my child is going to be healed and that is going to live. Then in the process of time, when Jesus set off to go, somebody crossed the path of Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood, received her testimony, and then Jesus continued the journey. But watch this. It is important for us to get this. And I wish I was just preaching about this. Coming into the presence of God with an assurance in your heart that the matter is settled even though physically the problem exists. That is what is called the blessed assurance that in Christ we start our journey from the end of the matter to the beginning of the matter. So Jesus was told this. And when he heard it and he saw the faith of the man, he saw the man. Jesus started moving with the man. The presence of God only moves with people or God's presence is more comfortable moving with people who already come holding their grounds of faith. That's why we are talking about the activation of your faith. And we are talking about this because there are things that will eat into your faith and make you come to God without the boldness, without the perspective or the mindset to obtain and without the expectation for help. And watch this. God is ever ready when he sees someone who already knows that God is a mover, God is a shaker. Who already knows that God is a doer. God is the perfecter of the imperfect. And he makes the impossible possible. When Jesus heard the narrative the man brought to him, he couldn't just even question the man. He just went straight away. The presence of God is readily activated when our faith holds the end result of whatever we are believing God for. If you are believing God for marriage and you go to the presence of God holding that marriage as a clear, active passion, desire in your heart, the presence of God is functionally activated to be a blessing unto you. But when you go to the presence of God, you are seeking the Lord, you are praying in fear, in double-mindedness, in, in, in praying with, with that kind of uncertainty in your heart, it destroys your ability to receive. And that is not the right way to entertain the presence of God to functionally work or manifest on your behalf. And many people pray out of fear. Many people pray in a vacuum, out of, in the place of uncertainty. They pray with the mind, their minds being double, whether it will be done or not. They pray from the point of worry, the point of anxiety. That's what the Bible says. Do not be anxious. Have you seen any man who has worried and added a cubic to their height or a sink to their hair? All these things 
can make you come into the presence of God. Do all that we have been taught works, and it will not work. Why? Because faith casts away fear. Faith gives you confidence. I love this. If you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, watch, watch the position of faith. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So faith is the spiritual confidence that makes you appear before God and operate according to his will, knowing that, watch, if we ask anything according to his, his will, he heareth us. He's not now going to hear us. He hears us once we come with the confidence of faith. And verse number 15 makes us understand that. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Not the petitions that we desire going forward. The desires that we already have. So you see that we have the petition that we desired. Something that you came to God with. With an expectation. With an end in your heart. I have an expectation for a church filled with thousands of people. Even under the COVID. I have an expectation of a church filled with people who are resourceful to God. Resourceful to the ministry. Resourceful to their nation to their families, and, and resourceful to their communities. I trust God that I will not pastor one poor person. That if you came in poor, I trust God that by the time you are with us for three months, your status will change from an abject poor person to someone who encounters the prosperity of Jehovah. I trust God to pastor healthy people. I trust God. To pastor people who are missionaries, who want to do ministry and honor God with their lives here on earth. I trust God to have loyalists, dedicated people unto God. So you come with a petition that you desired. Question is, do you have a desire coming to God? Have you already petitioned in your heart? Do you have the result of your petition in view? He says, if you have it, that verse 15 if you have this confidence, we know that we have, we have already obtained the petitions that we desired of him. And 16 says that because of this, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So here we also know that God is willing to forgive all. And when you are coming to him and you don't think he will forgive you, then your sins remain. So we know that God wants us to appear. And that's how Jairus appeared, to Jesus, appeared before Jesus in Mark 5. And the presence of God was willing and available to move. In activating your faith for the miraculous, please, you need to carry your answer before you even pray. Carry your answer before you even begin to entertain the presence of God. That is faith. That is what the, the three Hebrew boys did. We know that our God is able, but even if he chooses not to deliver us, we are telling you that we are not going to bow. But before they said that, we know our God is able. So before they went into the fire, they were already carrying our God is able kind of results. And the fire could not consume them. Because when you carry the end product of your desire, the end product of your petition, the end product of your request, that is what sets the mount of opposition. That is the faith that conquers the world. I'm feeling the preaching already. It is holding the end of your confession, the end of your profession that brings down every weapon of the devil that stops people here on earth. Let me tell you, your faith is your greatest victory on earth in redemption. And God wants you to hold the result 
of the end of your request even before you engage him. That's the first point of engagement, please. The first point of engagement is see the result. The result you don't see, you will not have. The testimony you don't think about, you will not have. Look at Ephesians 3.20. I love the word of God. And I think this should be a wonderful series. I mean, activation of faith. Beautiful now unto him. That is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worked in us. So the power of God is already working in us. God wants us to think and to pray. And he does abundantly above what we pray or think. So the thinking is important for the praying. (laughs) Tell somebody, thinking is important for praying. And if you have not thought about something, don't, don't continue to waste your time in prayer because you can't just appear like that. I was listening to a great man of God a father figure in this, in this um, country, in the kingdom of God. And he was teaching about praying in the spirit, praying for answers. And he was talking about praying in the language of the spirit and praying in the language that you understand. And it is important that you pray in the language you understand and then you pray in the language you do not understand. Why? Because whenever you are praying in the language you don't understand, which we call the speaking in tongues, The prayers are not based on what you think. Because in that realm, the spirit makes intercession for us with groanings and words that we cannot explain. So whenever you start praying in tongues, it it joins up with the intercessory ministry of Christ And it is the Holy Spirit that will use the tongue speaking as a a bridge of the gap to do whatever he wants to do in any part of the world, including things that do not concern you. Like using your tongue speaking to comfort the people who have become victims to the fire that got got, um, um, exploded in Beirut yesterday. God can use your tongue speaking to help them. Meanwhile, you didn't, go pray, you didn't go to pray thinking about praying for people in Beirut. So when you start praying in tongues, that is the realm of God. God takes over. So it's important that you pray also in the language of the spirit and tell God, okay, this is what I'm expecting. <laughs> this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. So either you pray in the language of the spirit and you pray in the language in your own language or you pray in your own language and pray in the language of the spirit and you intersperse the prayer with known language and the unknown language. Because the unknown language is not your realm. It's not even Satan's realm. It's God's realm. And he is totally in charge there. That's why Paul said, I'll pray in the spirit And I'll pray with my mind as well. So here, your first point of contacting the miracle is to hold the end result. Don't go to the market with double-mindedness. Don't start anything with double-mindedness. Don't go for that evangelism with double-mindedness. Go for that evangelism thinking that today I'm going to win this soul. That's when the Spirit of God starts moving on your behalf. I don't know if that point has been made um, enough. So many people, they marry with the fear that I may never get pregnant because you had a fibroid surgery before you went to marry. No. Go with twins in mind. Go with triplet, quadruplet in mind. Go out there. Don't start a relationship thinking it will, it will not end well. Start a relationship with a resort in mind. You see the marriage formalized. You see a very wonderful home. You see a great... Many times I tell people that I don't see marriage as complex as people see marriage. Marriage is a beautiful thing if you have the right perspective. But for many people who fear marriage, their relationship even don't work. 
And so go with it. I believe that as a pastor, God is going to prosper me heavily. I will blow. And I don't need to cheat anybody or twist the hands of people. God is, has blessed me already. And if you are in this ministry, you need to understand that whatever legitimate thing you are doing, God has already blessed it. So when you are going before God, even in the times of need, have the mentality of obtaining your petition before God because he's there to help you in times of need. That is the beginning of the activation of your faith. If you don't have this perspective, rising up to pray becomes a burden on you. It becomes a dead weight. Rising up to, to entertain the presence of God becomes dutiful instead of something that should be pleasurable. That's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the presence. I mean, going to the physical place was a joy for him because he knew that he could receive some level of satisfaction there. So when he jumped to verse 35, watch it. When the spirit of God started moving, there's a likelihood for some things to interrupt, interrupt for Jesus moving from that place to the man's house. He knew what was going to happen on the way. But to the man, the woman with the issue of blood interrupted. And uh, when the woman interrupted, the man had to be patient. So in 35, while he just, he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain we said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Isn't it beautiful? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Only believe. Be not afraid. When did Jesus say, Be not afraid? I want to see 35. When did Jesus say, be not afraid? Jesus said, be not afraid when he heard the word that was spoken to the man. Please watch this. And that's where a lot of people who start well with a result in their hand, they lose the result. So there are things that are in your hand. The devil cannot take it, but it will be up to you to keep it or to lose it. There is a lot of distraction when you open your ears to what is being said by man against what has been said by God. And I believe that in that Anfield that day, uh, the, the Barcelona people were overhauled by the, by the spectators. How a people who have been beaten 3-0 can come to the stadium chanting and cheering. We never walk alone. And it worked. They were overwhelmed. Many Christians get overwhelmed by what they hear. There's an old song we used to sing. I'm not moved by what I see. Hallelujah. I'm not moved by what I hear. Hallelujah. I'm only moved by the word of God. All right. These days, <laughs> we don't sing these songs. But a lot of believers, the, the blessing has been given to you. And it is you that loses it to time and to the devil. So Jesus heard what the servant came to say that, look, sir, don't trouble the master. Your daughter is already dead. And when Jesus heard it, he didn't even allow the master, the Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue to speak. Jesus immediately spoke to counter what the servant had, the news the servant had come to break. Let me say that you can hear some news from certain quarters and it can make you lose the result that is already packaged in your spirit for your manifestation. Faith can be distracted, diverted. Faith can be watered down based on what you hear. And that's why Jesus told Jairus that, Jairus, don't listen to this servant who has come to say something to you. But be not afraid. Only believe. That is to say that anybody that is with Jesus Christ who still entertains fear 
instead of faith, will not see testimonies. I'm feeling it already. And you can be a child of God and be in the presence of God entertaining your fear instead of operating your faith. So Jesus told him, Jairus, you are with me. Come on, stick with me. Stick with me. Do not be afraid. And how do you get afraid? It's not the devil that makes you afraid. It's what you hear. That's one of the things that can make you afraid. And whenever you entertain the spirit of fear, you start disconnecting yourself with the spirit of faith that gives you potency to receive from the presence of God, which was Jesus with Jairus. And so a lot of people can be in the presence of God, can be in church, and nothing is happening because whilst God is ready and moving with you to wherever the matter is, to turn it around, you are busily listening to another voice, creating fear and panic in you, and that's how you start losing your faith. So Jesus said to him, be not afraid, only believe. Come on now, say only believe. Now, if the Bible is yours, underline and write this statement that only faith is what gives you the capacity to live a victorious life here on earth, regardless of the circumstances of life. I'll take it again. Only believe means that the only thing that makes you live above the strongest weapon of the devil operating here on earth is your faith. If you can only believe, you will always be able to purchase for yourself whatever has been put on the table of redemption for you. I'm feeling it already. Redemption and grace puts the miracle on the table and you need faith to secure it. Jesus said, I'm ready to perform anything and anywhere. So it really doesn't matter where you are. When you have faith, the location doesn't matter. The situation, the condition doesn't matter. When you have faith, you can always take whatever is on God's table for you because God is actively ready to go anywhere with you, to solve any problem with you. I think this message is a very powerful message by the special grace of God. Don't throw your faith away. What you hear can destroy your faith. That's why Satan is putting a lot of negative information on media platforms that he knows you will assess. When the devil wants to tell you something, he will put it where you hear it. <laughs> if he wants you to see something, he will place it where you will see it. He might not come directly to you, but sometimes the devil speaks through the social media to you, through your friends, through circumstances. He will speak to you in a way that you hear. And anytime you open up to hear the voice of the bad news, you, if you are not careful, you start missing the real voice that will build your faith. It is the voice of Jesus that started building faith for Jairus. And mind you, in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, watch it very clearly. It's a very powerful scripture. Romans 10, 17 says, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. <clears throat> so anything you are hearing that is not inspired by God has the potential to take away your faith. That is why constantly opening yourself to a service like this, to a, a Bible teaching, a word-based church like the keeper's house will build your faith and make you a victorious person here on earth. In ministry, in marriage, in your career, in your education, what you hear matters. And so Jesus said, I'm the word of God. Hear me. Don't hear what the world is saying. When the servant spoke, he said, the child is already dead. Don't trouble the master. Let's look at 35 again. Very beautiful. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. 
Why troublest thou the master any further? So, one of the things that you need to ward yourself in activating your faith is the negative things that you hear. Your daughter is dead. That's something he heard. Negative things that you hear. Now, verse number 36, we've already read. And then we move to 37. So I want to take you through the process in activating your faith. So if you want to activate your faith, there are some things you don't need to open yourself or you don't need to allow them to enter into your heart. And he suffered no man to follow him, <clears throat> save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. <clears throat> Jesus, when he told the man only to believe, he started moving to the man's house and he did not allow the 12 disciples, all of them, to follow him. He was very selective. Jesus selected only three. And if you study the Bible very carefully, you will realize that these were people that he used to pray with. They were highly spiritual. Amongst the 12, these were Jesus' inner circle, inner caucus. If he wanted to go to the mountain of transfiguration, these were the guys he went with. If he wanted to pray, when he wanted to be vulnerable, these were the guys he became vulnerable before. Because not everybody around you can contain what the next level of your life is. They might be Christians, they might be whatever, they might be family members, but not everyone. Jesus had called 12, but when he needed to do some serious stuff, he selected three. And so Jesus' pattern is our practice. We must also learn to be selective. Sometimes people tell you to embrace everyone. Yes, the Bible says that we should live at peace with even our enemies when it is possible. But the Bible never said we should embark on a project with them. So when you want to embark on a project, you need to make a choice. You need to decide who must be selected and who must be rejected. So Jesus didn't bother to go with everyone. Now when you read on, let's read some more. When you read further, the Bible said, and he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, why make this ado, or why make this commotion, and weep? Why are you weeping? Why are you causing confusion and chaos here? The damsel is not dead, but asleep. This is Jesus. He's redefining everything. And they laughed, <laughs> they laughed to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. Please, if you want your faith to be activated, everyone cannot go with you. Jesus went to that house. He saw the commotion there. He saw people weeping and wailing. And he went to the house and he said, why are you weeping and causing a lot of trouble here? The child is not dead. He's only asleep. <laughs> and the Bible said, Jesus, when he said that, the people who were crying started laughing and mocking. Can you imagine? How easy is it for people who are crying to stop crying and start laughing and mocking at the same time. That's what this world is all about. Nothing is real. The only thing that is real is what is real based on what the Lord says. Because anything can change at any time. They stopped crying. They started laughing. And they were mocking him to scorn. How can you say such a thing that someone is dead... And you are saying it's not dead. Please, if you want to activate your faith, Jesus now took all those people away, took the mother and the father and his three disciples and went into the room where the child was. Still talking about the selectivity of your team. 
You cannot listen to everyone. You cannot listen to even every pastor. Not all pastors will build your faith. Not all messages preached from the Bible will build faith in you. Some will build fear in you. We know people who cannot see a cockroach and sleep. Some people cannot see a wall jackal and sleep without thinking a witch has visited them. Some people who have <laughs> beds living near trees, closer to their roof, when the bed tumbles on the roof, a witch has tumbled on the roof, they can't sleep. A lion is a lion, whether he's asleep or he's awake. I don't know how you become a snail because something entered your environment. When a witch enters your environment, does a lion become a, a, a mouse? You need to maintain your personality, maintain your nature in Christ. And it is faith that makes you to maintain who you are in Christ and maintain your power in Christ. And tonight, as we talk about activating your faith, not everybody should be around you when you want to do some important things. In fact, if you want to grow your faith, you cannot associate with everyone. You cannot discuss the issues of your faith with everyone when it comes to building your faith for the miraculous. I'm feeling the message all together. So Jesus selected. He said, Peter, you are qualified. James, you are qualified. Um, PJJ, Peter, James, and John, you are qualified. Mother, father, you are qualified because all of you here, even though you are there, your expectation is that your child will come back to life. So because you have the same expectation and you have the same faith with me, I can go with you. So that is it. Another thing that can stop you, please, let's look at verse 37. From activating your faith is that, that is 38. That's one thing that can stop you from activating your faith. When he cometh to the house of the sinner and see the commotion, the weeping, what you see, if you allow what you see to redefine what you believe, it will stop you from activating your faith. Seeing the tumult, the confusion, the weeping, the wailing, they were wailing greatly. That kind of mourning that they also, they talk, you see, they had to sing with the weeping. They had to, they had to do some appellation, some, they had to do some, it's, it's a melodrama. And, and they will be reading and they will be, they will be talking and weeping and they will be talking about how the matter has ended. Seeing the tumult. There are, there are certain conditions when you open yourself to sin from time to time in your marriage, in other people's marriage, in the market. If you keep looking at, there's a way you keep watching some particular news that it begins to affect you. When you see death, 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 it starts affecting you. I know a sister who started watching and listening to Every radio program that talks about the infidelity of a husband and <laughs> every soap opera that talks about infidelity of a partner and he, she just happened to destroy a very wonderful marriage she has. And all her attitude that she began to develop came from the things she was listening to and watching. That's how she lost the marriage. And she lost the marriage and after a while, her eyes started clearing. Because until you start seeing some things that Jesus called them, to, do you know tumult? Tumult is when everywhere is hijra, hijra, confusion, commotion, pandemonium. When there is chaos, you go to a funeral and there's chaos. People are weeping and mourning. That is an uncontrollable confusion. He said, what is all this for? That's something that can confuse somebody and overwhelm the person. Jesus said, if you want to activate your faith, don't see things that are too confusing, 
troubling that take away your belief for the testimony. And so sometimes you want to do a business, you want to marry, and somebody will tell you that, sister, at this age, which man is going to marry you? At this time, it's over. It's over. But if you are with Christ, all things are possible. And so don't pay attention to the situation and the condition around the situation. Look, keep looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. If you are with Jesus, the presence of God, if it's with you, no confusion is powerful enough to stop your testimony. No condition is powerful enough to stop your testimony. If and only if you can believe in the presence of God, what you are seeing is not powerful enough to stop you. The baby is dead. You are seeing all the people coming to an end of the matter that, look, the child is dead. We have done all we can do and it's not going to happen. But if you decide to hold the profession of your, of your confession and the confession of your profession of faith, you will see the testimony. So what you see, if you give it much attention, it will redefine, re-engineer. It will recalibrate your belief system and make you lose the testimony like Barcelona lost to Liverpool. I mean, there's a guy here. He doesn't want me to say this, but it's a fact. In football, that night when I called him, he was in Takradi, I'm in Accra. I mean, Greater, he was in the Western region. He was sick. And in the afternoon, he was not sick, but after the match, he was sick. Because when you lose such a testimony, you will be sick. So don't lose it, brother. Don't lose it, sister. That your marriage is good, or it's going to turn around. I'm telling you, that thing the devil said is dead. If you stay on ground with your faith and activate it, refuse to see the cancer. Refuse to see the report that you are being given by men. The Bible says, whose report shall we believe? When you refuse to see the report of men and tap into the report of God. Look, if you are with Jesus, stop looking at things. Just keep looking at Jesus. Just keep looking at what he has said. Just keep following after him. And when the man followed Jesus, the Bible said, this is the outer court. Jesus looked at them, questioned them. You need to question them. There are some things when you see, you must question. Your faith must make you to question. Why is my child like this? Why is your health like this? Jesus questioned the crowd. He questioned them. Your faith must make you question some situations, some conditions, some circumstances. You must question them. I'm not married and the devil cannot lie to me. I question the devil because the Bible says that I have my partner in destiny. So I question that demon in my house that says I will not marry. I question you. You can't convince me. Anything you are not bold enough to question will convince you and become part of your faith. And when that artificial thing becomes part of your faith, your faith doesn't become true again. It doesn't become authentic. It becomes synthetic. And synthetic faith will not give you what you have been desiring for. So look at what Jesus did. Again, 38, we are seeing the tumult. Jesus went there and he started talking. Verse 39. 39, and when he saw, and when he was come in, the outside, the people were there. He came in, and he asked them, why do these people make this commotion and weep? The damn cell is not there. You and I, one of the things we have to do to reactivate our faith is that we must have the supernatural discernment and wisdom to redefine every situation, circumstance, and condition around us. Everyone says the damsel is dead. When you went, you saw that the business is dead. But when you get there, speak like the way Jesus speaks. And define things the way Jesus defines them. The damsel is not dead. He's asleep. You see, and in the Bible, where Jesus raised people, he never declared them dead. When he was called to 
go and pray for Lazarus because he was sick. He said, this sickness is not unto death. But that the glory of the Lord will be seen. When he got to the tomb and Mary and Martha were crying, he says that, why are you people crying? I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus never sees things the way we see things. God never sees things the way we see things. And uh, that is why he was asking Jeremiah, what do you see? How do you see? And he says that, I see so, so, and so. He said, you have seen well. God wants you to see the way he sees things. If you see the way the word of God sees things, you'll be able to define conditions based on the way the spirit defines them. And when you start seeing well, and you start defining well, not based on how the world defines, you are going to have the God kind of result. Jesus said, the child is not dead, the child is asleep. And when someone is asleep, you don't even pray for them to rise up. You call them out of sleep. He went to the tomb of Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And when he got to this kid's place, he said, Talita kumi, damsel, arise. He didn't pray. He just called. We are not asking you to go into a tree mountain and go and cry and pray and pray and pray. Start declaring that my business is alive and not dead. Long before you pray, you must redefine the situation. My womb is not barren. My womb will contain pregnancy. I have had a miscarriage, but that devil is a liar. The next one, I'm going to have double for my trouble. I'm going to have twins. I can never be barren because Christ is not barren. The word of God said, be fruitful and multiply. Define whatever you see here on ground. Define it from the heavenly perspective. Men will say it is dead, but the spirit will say it's asleep. I'm feeling it. Romans chapter 4 verse 17, it says that, And God who quickened the dead, and called the things that be not into being, as though they were. <laughs> there is a way the believer sees. And what you see determines how you speak. If you can see well, then you can speak well. And when you are speaking well, the power of God will move on your behalf. Jesus said it's not dead. I'm telling you, many of the things men have defined dead... Time has defined dead. People have defined dead. Situations have defined dead. They are not dead at all. They are asleep. They are waiting for your definition. When you define them as asleep, you can wake them up again. And I need you to activate that faith that is able to wake up your healing. Wake up. Look, no coronavirus is going to kill you. That devil is a liar. If that virus ever came into your body, speak and declare that you are unkillable because the power of God is at work in you. You only die when you die. And you die when you say you are dead. You got to speak well. Redefine your ministry. It's not going down. The ministry has a purpose. It's rising up. No principality will put their foot. No Nephilim. No Raphim. No demon. No power from anywhere. The Bible said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I do not see the gate of hell prevailing. They cannot prevail. Whatever you don't give space to cannot occupy. They need your permission to occupy. Redefine. Jesus said it's not dead. When Jesus got there, he sacked everybody. Please, be bold enough to sack people out of your life who cannot move in the same level of faith to your next level. Anybody who doesn't have that kind of faith for the next level of your miracle, let them not be around. Jesus just sacked all of them from the room. He said, all of you, go away with your crying and your pessimism and your negativity. Just get out of this place. I only want to work with people who are on the same frequency of faith and expectation with me. Please, the wisdom of God stipulates that you can only sharpen iron with a sharp iron. And so when people are wood around you, and you want your iron to be sharpened, wood will make your iron blunt. You need an iron to sharpen yourself. 
That's why you cannot attain much if the people around you are people whose professions and actions and, and belief system just become a dead weight on you to pull you down when you are trying to go up. Suck some people, you must suck them out of your life. Some of you are hanging around some ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, suck them out of your life. Some people are in your life. It doesn't matter whether they are relatives. I believe these were loved ones. But when you want to move to a deeper level, you don't need loved ones. You need people who can move in the same spirit with you. Not everyone who loves you will be beneficial to you in your next level. I'm preaching beer. I'm saying not everyone who loves you has the level of faith for you to attain and and achieve the prophecy God has for you. And that's why you cannot take love for faith. You can take love for spirituality. Some people are sympathizers. They might even be empathizers, but they still don't have the spirit that you need for your next level. And if you are not careful, lovers will talk you out of your testimony. It is lovers that told them, say that they are weeping with the man, comforting the man that the child is there. Let's go and bury this child. It was lovers who was causing this man to bury the child. Lovers are not always beneficial to your cause. You need discernment to know that sometimes the greatest negativity around you is love. <laughs> Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Mm, I love you so much. Don't talk about that. Jesus said, Peter, this level of achieving my divine mandate, eh, I don't need love. If I follow this love you have for me, devil will use you. Come behind me, oh, devil is talking. Devil can, you see, the easiest people for the devil to manipulate, to manipulate you are lovers. Assassins who kill presidents from their presidential villa are not outsiders. Some are bodyguards. The people meant to protect them are the people who kill them. Lovers kill people. There's a film I watch like that. It's called Naked Weapon. The girls are trained to kill. They are assassins. Fine girls. None of them is ugly. All of them smooth skin. Nice. As they are sleeping with a politician, the man is just very happy or they will just pull your spine, you are gone, finish. When an enemy is coming, you will prepare. But when a lover is coming, or more, love can kill more than hatred. And so you need discernment to know that these people are my sympathizers. They love me, but they don't have the spirit for my next level. And if you want to activate faith, it's not everybody you can share your plans with. <laughs> it's not everybody you can share your plans with. Jesus said, let all the lovers, the sympathizers, let all of them go out. You should be bold enough to say that this level, I'm not going with you. That is why you cannot be talking about activating your faith when you are an emotionally sensitive person to every issue, every situation, people's facial expression, what people think, the opinion of people, they don't matter in your next level. You must carry your own faith based on what God has told you and go to the next level. If you listen to people, they will stop you where you, you, you started having the challenge. That's why Job didn't give the wife a chance. He said, you are speaking like one of those foolish women. Even though I know you are a godly woman. So godly people can speak foolishly. And it is not every time godly people you know to be godly who speak and you, you need to analyze with the spirit of faith to know that this time around, this person is not going to be beneficial. And then you move away from them. I'm preaching. And I'm feeling it already. Activate it because many of you are in the market. Somebody talked you out of a product and when you move, the product just blew. The product blew. And then you came in late. So you need to have faith. Praise the Lord. So Jesus went there, redefined everything, sacked them. Let's look at 39 quickly because we need to end this preaching right now. 39. And he said he's sleeping. Redefined. 40. He sacked all of them out. They were laughing. They were scorning. 
They were mocking at him. And he took only five of them there. And the verse number 41 makes us understand that Jesus and he took the damsel by hand and said unto her, Talita kumi. Americans will say, Talita kumai. Talita kumai. Which is being interpreted. Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Do you know what this means? <clears throat> if you want to activate your faith, you don't always have to speak a language that normal people understand. <clears throat> Jesus could have just said, damsel, arise. And Jesus decided that today, no, I'm not going to say damsel, arise. I'm going to use another language that ordinary people don't understand. Talita kumi. Damsel, arise. Sometimes you must speak to confuse people around you. If you always want to let people understand you, your faith will never work. If you are waiting for people to understand you, your faith will not work. If you want to speak the way everyone speaks, you will not have the result you are supposed to have. Say talita kumi instead of saying damsel arise. Speak a new language. Speak, speak differently from the way everyone in the market is speaking. Say something different from what everyone says. Communicate differently. Let the effective communication of your faith recognize the good things that are in you. There is anointing in you. That is why you can say it in a different way and have a different result from the way everyone is saying it. Don't say damsel arise. Say talita kumi. Everyone is saying the economy has crashed. The business is not working. You only just say the economy is working. The business is working. People love to marry people my age. I am not out of the way. I'm not off the road. I'm not out of fashion. My time has not passed. Sometimes you are talking to somebody and say, oh, um, baby, I may do yeah, where I've got into my, my time is past. I'm in my twilight. I'm in my wee season. I've passed my prime. Who says so? Say talita kumi. Don't say damsel arise. Damsel arise is the language for common people. It's a language for people who don't make it. Damsel, arise, is a language of people who are weeping, people who are overwhelmed, people who are afraid, people who think it is over. They are the people, when you go to funeral, you see people, uh, yeah, we wish you would come back. They, they cry and they wake up the corpse, even though they are not expecting the corpse to rise. And if a corpse ever arose from that kind of weeping, all those mourners will run away. Because they don't expect a resurrection. People who speak normal language don't expect a resurrection. They might be telling you something, but they do not expect that miracle. And to activate your faith, you need to be speaking as a millionaire. Your pocket is empty, but you say, I got it. I got it. You, you dress for it. That's a different language. You go there and say, they are giving you this position. You say, how about that position? I think that one is higher than this. I think this one will be better. And they will be wondering, wow. You have to speak a language that is Greek. Greek to the ears of your listeners. To the ears of your detractors. Speak a language that demons will be clapping for you. That they are confused. That with all that they have said and shown you. You still have the temerity and the boldness. To say what you are saying. That by my God I have run through a troop. And lived over the walls. I feel it already. If you can speak a new language, your faith will be activated. Maleke takila baladu zabea. I see your faith coming alive. I see your faith springing up and changing things around you. Activate your faith now and speak a different language. What a blessing. The child just rose up. When you speak a different language, every dead thing will come alive. Because to speak a different language means you believe. You believe in the power of God. And I love the last part. Before they went out, because they were surrounded with a lot of doubters. Next verse says, and straight away the damsel arose and walked. And she was of age of 12. 
And they were astonished with a great astonishment. 43. Watch this. And Jesus charged them straightly. That is, he charged them that no man should know it. And commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Please, this is the last thing I'm telling you. That when you have doubters around you, and you have a dream, you have a vision, you have a product, before you start telling doubters about your testimony, make sure you feed that dream to a point that doubters cannot destroy that dream. Feed that thought. Feed that perspective. That child that is alive. eh? When you take that child out there, people who doubt it, they are going to come and they are going to take the child, throw the child up, they are hugging the child, and if the child is still hungry, the child will die again. For joy, they will kill the child again. So make sure that you feed your thought. You feed your dream. You feed your testimony. You feed your program, your proposal. Feed it with faith. Feed it with the word of God. Feed it with optimism. Feed it with positivity. Feed it with power and prayer. Feed it before you take it out there. And when you take it out there, it doesn't matter what anybody is saying. That thing is already on ground. And nobody can kill it again. Whatever killed it before cannot kill it again because it is heavily fed. Some of you, you take your dream out there and you have not fed yourself enough so somebody can just say something and then you throw the dream away. You kill it again. If you you gain a testimony and you lose it, they will tell you, do you think this healing, it will last? And by the time you know you have lost it, you need to just feed yourself. Listen to people whose healing have lasted. Listen to people who have made it. As you feed yourself like that, you get to a point, your whole mind gets saturated that nobody can convince you again because you have fed the miracle well. Now it can become a testimony to the world. You have been listening to the testimony word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Locate us at Madina Estate, Accra, off the social welfare road between the Gulf Lane Station and Wawan Washing Bay. Follow us on Facebook at the Keepers House Chapel International. Podcast and audio rima at Reverend Francis Auburn. Visit our website at www.keepershousechapel.org. One word. For further information, call 244 177 831 or 0204-916-168 or 0277-532-360. Experiencing Jesus, Bethany Ministries.